0: Let's get started. Bottom of the Smash Mountain podcast, season one, episode 14, Super Bowl recap and offseason preview. Let's get to the podcast. We're taking a little bit of a break from Melee talk and Smash Brothers talk because I got Joel Espenshade once again onto the pod to talk some football. Joel is my best friend, and we love talking football together, so I'm really happy that we got to have a conversation about the Super Bowl that happened just yesterday, and I know that y'all either don't want to hear about Super Bowl talk or have heard a lot of Super Bowl talk already and maybe are tired of it, but one more time, join me and Joel as we talk about the Super Bowl and also off season,
1: let's get to the interview. Why is it so quiet? Oh, right, transition. Here we are, bottom of the smash mountain, or maybe today I should just call it
0: bottom of the football mountain because we're gonna talk football, we're gonna talk the Super Bowl, and I am super excited to have the three time, bum bum bum, Three-time guest of Bottom of the Smash Mountain Pod, Joel Husband Shade is back. I am back.
2: It is good to be back. Uh, Not quite up to Tom Brady's level in terms of appearances yet, but three times is a good time, and I am happy to be here. Let's talk a little football.
0: And I'm really excited to talk football. I didn't get a chance to tell you this before we started recording because I wanted to get your live reaction. What if I told you I've only watched like three minutes of the Super Bowl game that happened last night?
2: I would tell you you didn't miss much. Uh, it was not a very exciting game. Um, yeah, the commercials weren't great. Uh, if you had better stuff to do, this was probably a good year for that.
1: One of the great things about Super Bowl Sunday usually is is the food.
0: So even if the game kind of tapers off in excitability, or if it's not a Super Bowl that you are particularly interested in because the team's present, then the food is a big thing for me anyway. But. I didn't really get to partake with that this year, so that was part of the equation, I think. And just being
1: busy husband-father stuff as well. Uh, So those are my excuses.
2: What are your top three football foods of choice?
1: Number one's got to be chicken
0: wings, and then some kind of chips. If you want me to be specific, I'll just take the Doritos Cool Ranch since... I like that to sort of counteract the wings, sort of. And then third, probably a drink. So give me some kind of soda. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Like, I'll, I'll guzzle that down.
2: Okay. What kind of wings do you go for? Do you keep it classic? Do you go buffalo?
1: Frank's hot
0: sauce. That's the main, that's the main ingredient. I honestly could not tell you. Exactly what goes into the wing because I don't prep it myself, but I know that Frank's hot sauce is involved, so it's not ultra hot. You know, it's just the standard hot
1: level of of, of spice. Hmm. Got it. Well, how about you? Can you give me a top three?
2: Yes, I can. Uh, my number one seed is a little unorthodox. I love a meatball sub. I think it is a great football food. Uh, My two seed is pizza, and then my three seed is wings. I am a late convert to chicken wings, uh, but I do see the appeal now.
1: Once you you find one, like, sorry, a
0: flavor, I mean, once you find a taste or, or flavor that you like, then you could just put down 10 wings without really thinking too much about it. They're small, and it doesn't necessarily feel like they're, super unhealthy it's chicken after all but it is i mean you know there's fat and and whatnot so probably not the healthiest thing ever but i love wings for for super bowl sunday and for football in general to your point meatball sub i can see that then that's very filling so you i feel like the weakness of your of your tier list for football food is that you won't be able to get very far, uh, whereas for me, I feel confident in saying that, like, I can just, like, eat and eat and eat and eat without ever worrying about overfilling myself too much.
2: Yeah, it's definitely a very entree-centric list. Uh, in terms of just, like, finger food snacks and stuff, you're, you're dead on with the chips. I would probably not go Doritos, just a basic corn chip with some guac or salsa. Uh, and then you can't, you can't not, you can't not, you can't go wrong with a good pigs in the blanket option off to the side
1: as well. Were you able to partake in any of your favorite football foods last night? We did have a little pizza.
2: We did have a little guacamole, uh, but it was just me and Ginny at the house. So we did not. Uh, go overboard with all the sides and all the fixings uh, quite as much as we would if we were at a big party but we had a good spread and we enjoyed the food probably a little more than we enjoyed the football honestly
0: and of course like as as someone who you are a very big washington football team fan and I am a very big Eagles fan. We don't have a whole lot of interest in the Bucks or the Chiefs overall, aside from appreciating greatness, I guess. The Chiefs have a lot of great players, and so do the Bucs. And obviously, it goes without saying, Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady, so I can see the appeal, but I just... As soon as I saw, like I took a peek at the game and I saw the Bucks' first touchdown, that was the three minutes that I watched. I saw them march down the field with the quickness, with, with Brady finding open receivers after Fournette sort of gashed the Chiefs' defensive line and then that touchdown throw to Gronk to make it seven to three. And I thought, I feel like this is going to be pretty indicative of the rest of the game. But the one thing I had to think of that I had to account for was how the Chiefs, they tend to start off slow, at least in, in playoff season, that, that seemed to be the case last year and a little bit this year, but I'll let you sort of take over from there because that was the first quarter. That was the end of the first quarter.
2: Yeah, uh, we had kind of expected all year that the Chiefs would just be able to flip the switch and wake up. Uh, And they did that a little bit against Buffalo in the conference championship. That kind of felt like one of the few games for them this year that they were able to just go wire to wire, full speed ahead the whole time. But uh, yeah, last night they just didn't have it. Uh, their pass protection was historically bad uh, against a very good Tampa Bay defense, and uh, yeah, they couldn't get off the field defensively. They had some penalty troubles, and on offense, they couldn't stay on the field. They couldn't convert third downs, and um, they were outcoached, and outplayed, and outsmarted seemingly at every turn, which was a big surprise for me, because you don't see Andy Reid teams uh, get outsmarted and outcoached that way ever, especially after having a bye uh, like the Chiefs did. So that was a real shock uh, to see them come
0: out as flat as they did.
1: I, I am vaguely
0: aware of this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the Chiefs did not have to go down to Tampa Bay until like the day before right something like that they didn't go down for uh, like any sort of media week or anything which by the way i'd be in support of that post pandemic i think that super bowl week for the media itself is like way too much so i'm glad that took a bit of a back seat but the chiefs did not go down at all until what saturday or friday
2: i believe that's correct i think they basically did it on a normal game week schedule so that would mean travel on Friday or Saturday yes
1: and
0: so you think to yourself okay so there's a lot less distractions than this year still a lot of zoom meetings uh, you know with media members and all kinds of Super Bowl promotion stuff but it's somehow like that that narrative you look at it and you go okay well that doesn't actually match up with what happened the Chiefs came out with a field goal, I guess, to make it 3 nothing,
1: and then just, they never had the lead once they lost it from there.
2: Yeah, uh, they frankly didn't have many chances uh, to get back into the game after that point either. Uh, there was an interception by Tyron Matthew on what, led, what ultimately became uh, the Buccaneers' second touchdown drive. That was overturned by a defensive holding penalty, uh, which extended the drive. And then they held the Bucks to a field goal attempt uh, later in the game. And Nicole Hardman lined up offside, which extended the drive and allowed them to score a touchdown on that drive. So it was a lot of shooting themselves in the foot for Kansas City that uh, where they just squandered opportunities to keep the game close. Uh, or get the ball back, and they just weren't able to do it. Um, the The goal line stand that the Chiefs had when they stopped Ronald Jones on fourth down at the one-yard line was seemingly a big play at the time, but it ended up being completely meaningless because uh, they didn't do anything with the ball, and they still were uh, down at the end by multiple touchdowns.
0: And if there are any Eagles fans in the listenership of this podcast episode, a lot of that stuff kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? You have something cool that happens, and then you just do absolutely nothing with it. So no complimentary football. We do have to acknowledge, if I recall correctly, Patrick Mahomes did not have either of his offensive tackles like the starters for this game. Am I correct?
2: You are correct. Uh, Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher both were out this week uh, for the Super Bowl, and that ended up having a huge impact on the game. Uh, The Chiefs were also without a couple of their guards. I'm not sure if they were regular starters or if they were reserve players, but it ended up being that they had four different starters out of five uh, that did not start on opening day for them who had to uh, start and play the majority of the game yesterday for them. And that does a lot to what you are able to do, what you are able to accomplish on offense, and how you are able to stay in rhythm, uh, play-to-play, series-to-series. And it showed the entire game. Uh, Some of the advanced statistics that I saw afterward, uh, Mahomes was pressured on over 50% of snaps during the game, which was by far the most he's been under pressure. Certainly this season, but I believe I saw that it was the most he has been pressured in his career. Uh, It was the worst PFF grade that an offensive line has ever received in the Super Bowl. And Mahomes was tracked, like his movements were tracked during the game. And he ran basically for 500 yards behind the line of scrimmage on scrambles uh, total during the game. And you're talking about a quarterback playing with a toe injury, having to do that, having to run around that much and move away from pressure as much as he did. He just he got no help, uh, and he didn't play his best game, but I don't think there are very many quarterbacks that could have played better.
1: And again, it just makes me think about the Eagles in particular, and I, I, I
0: have to keep coming back to this because this is what I know. This is what I, this is what I feel familiar with. The Eagles had so many different offensive line starting groups for this year. It was at least 12 out of the 16 games we played having a unique combination of starters for the offensive line. And a lot of people seem to forget that particular issue when it came to our offensive deficiencies. But here in the biggest game of the year, the Chiefs offensive linemen that are backups or, or maybe even third string if they had to go that deep, getting pulled up for the Super Bowl. And it's just not there. There is a reason why the backups are backups. And the offensive line falling apart can affect the quarterback, the receivers, the running backs, and the Chiefs' offense is nothing to sneeze at. There is so much talent, and Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league, arguably, every time he, set, he steps out on the field, even if he has a toe injury. And yet, his statistic yesterday, just like briefly here, 26 of 49, 270 yards, zero touchdown passes, two interceptions, three sacks, a 52.3 rating. That is abysmal, and nobody's going to really blame him for it because those who know understand that the
1: offensive line is a big deal. It, it, it leads to everything else working out on the field more often than not. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Uh I don't think this was any kind of indictment against Mahomes or against uh the Chiefs for their future potential or for their ceiling as a franchise for the next, you know, 5 years or for however long Mahomes uh is in his prime and healthy. Uh it just goes to show that, you know, offensive line depth is a rare thing to have. Uh, and when you do lose starters, it's incredibly hard to compensate for that. No matter how much speed you have on the perimeter, no matter how good your skill players are, no matter how good your quarterback is, uh, if you can't protect him, you're going to have issues. But, you know, the Chiefs are going to be good for a long time, uh, regardless of this outcome. And if Tom Brady sticks around and if he continues to produce uh, and just keep his team afloat the way that he did this year, the Bucks could be good for a while too because their coordinators are legit and they're not going anywhere because every head coaching vacancy has now been filled for this season. So both teams are bringing back absolutely loaded groups for the 2021
1: season. And we're talking about Todd Bowles, Byron Leftwich, I believe. Am I, am I getting
0: the offensive coordinator right for the Bucs?
2: Uh, yes, that is correct.
0: Very talented. And it is a real shame that we didn't hear more reports about them getting interview requests and, and all the like, but we, we went over this last time. It's just... <laughs> uh, for the people who are, who are in charge of making these decisions... If you are looking for the most qualified candidates for a head coaching position for your organization, look at the look at the organizations who are going to the Super Bowl this year. Look at the coordinators that are part of those organizations. That's all I'm going to say. Yep. Uh, but their but from about Tom Brady. And, Sorry, uh, go ahead.
2: They, no, I was just going to say their time will come, and when it does. Uh, they've proven that they will be ready and that they can do excellent work for somebody.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I,
0: I, I did not want to talk about Tom Brady a ton. I've tried to avoid <laughs> saying his name too many times because, man, as an Eagles fan or maybe even as a football fan in general, I have always enjoyed rooting for him despite the many occasions in which rooting for him turned out to be the wrong choice. You know what I mean? He he wins games left and right and is the winningest quarterback that we will probably ever see in the history of the NFL. This will be, that'll be at least part of his legacy, aside from a lot of people saying, you know, that he's the GOAT. I will begrudgingly, tell you that he definitely has a case for it but i I just refuse to outright say it so i'll let you speak to more of that about how this particular achievement really cements him in the legacy of the game
2: so you you're refusing to acknowledge him as the goat you just don't like saying it or do you think somebody else
1: actually has a better case I, I just like saying that he's, he's in the conversation. <laughs> I mean,
2: yeah, he's in the conversation, but uh, he's, he's the beginning, middle, and end of that conversation. I mean, there's nobody else close to him, and I don't think it's been close for a long time. Uh, certainly not since the Atlanta Super Bowl. Uh, but, yeah, there's not a whole lot to say. Uh, that hasn't already been said, he is the greatest of all time, and he'll probably always be the greatest of all time, uh because this kind of dominance, this kind of sustained success, the longevity that he has had in his career it, it just doesn't come around every day, you don't see it every day in other sports, and you're not going to see it again in this one. Uh, the most physical and demanding uh game in our country and in our culture, it, it, it just can't be, it can't be overstated how incredible his career has been and still is and probably still will be for as long as he wants to continue.
0: His body will catch up to him. We're not going to see a 60-year-old man playing quarterback in another 15 or so years. I'm just doing the math loo- loosely. Uh, He's 43, I think. But regardless, uh, for this season of what I've seen and what I saw of the playoff run leading up to this Super Bowl, arm looks fine, body looks fine. Brady's mental is as sharp as ever. He's motivated as he's ever been. And he's obviously the kind of player who isn't happy with just one it's almost as if the second one becomes even more important, and it's almost like starting from scratch again, obviously has a, has a great mentality for repeating success, and that is very hard to do in the NFL. No, with the Eagles especially, three years ago, we were looking around going like, we can be here for a while and haven't gotten close since.
2: Yeah. I think the injury that he sustained in 2008 was maybe the best thing that ever happened to him uh because a it it showed him how much he needs to worry about the sustainability of his career, you know, if he wants to continue doing this for a long time. It taught him a lot about taking care of himself and protecting himself in the pocket. And then b, I think it lit that fire, you know, where he had to watch Matt Castle go for a full year and win eleven games. They missed the playoffs, but they won eleven games without him, and he had to hear people talk about that, and that I'm sure ate at him and bothered him and He's had a little bit of that again with you know Jimmy Garoppolo succeeding uh during his suspension and then going to a Super Bowl with san Francisco uh He's so paranoid. Uh, by the thought of somebody being able to replace him or the thought of, you know, somebody being able to do what he does as well as he can. I think the legacy question for him and the, the passing of the torch narrative this weekend with he and Mahomes, I think that was something that was in the back of his mind where, you know, he's a proud guy. He doesn't want to lose to Mahomes. He doesn't want uh, his his era to end. And I don't think it will for as long as he is able to continue protecting himself the way that he has. He's not going to get bored of winning. He's not going to get tired of it. And he's not going to stop working uh, to be able to continue to sustain
1: this success. And... He's the he's the one player where especially now this season
0: where you start to think to yourself man is it really that much of a team sport but it is because the bucks defense did an incredible job with their situation they they knew that they had a weak offensive line they were going against and they thought here's how we can mitigate other concerns of the chiefs offense and 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 gave and gave Brady Brady a lot of favorable situations so Congrats to the whole team, and I know that Brady will be ready to go for another one next year. I hope that for his sake that, his, that the organization that he's with, the, the coaches, the players, that they're all ready to go to, because he's certainly, he's certainly at least considering it now, now that it's been, well, almost 24 hours. How long do you think, realistically, somebody like Tom Brady celebrates for before they start going, all right, business mode again?
1: Well, that's hard to say, you know, because he does the weird diet and he, uh, he
2: goes to sleep at like 7 o'clock if he doesn't have a game or something like that. So it's hard to really say how much he can snap into party mode when that's your whole life. Uh, and every choice you make is about, you know, getting that much better for the next Sunday. But I'm sure he's enjoying it, and I'm sure it uh, it doesn't mean any less to him just because he's won seven times. So uh, he's he's a guy that certainly is well liked by everybody around him, his teammates, uh, regardless of how much older he is than they are. They love being around him. So I'm sure he can still kick it if he wants to, but uh, yeah, I think he's always all business. I think that's I think that's why he's great.
1: No matter who has spoken about Tom Brady, it's always
0: been very positive. So again, it just makes it hard for me, someone who wants to find something to dislike about him, it just makes it hard for me to continue to do that. But I I see. I see all the work, I see the effort, and obviously winning a Super Bowl for the seventh time is very impressive, very, very impressive. Certainly in the conversation, as I like to say. (laughs) Okay, now we look ahead a little bit, unless you had other thoughts about the Super Bowl. I'll just let you, did you have any other thoughts? I
2: did not. Uh, Let's. Move on from this Super Bowl and into next season as quickly as possible because we, we need a good game to uh, cleanse the palate after the snoozer we watched yesterday.
0: <laughs> Wait, I did forget one thing. Uh, a thought or tweet that I saw somewhere, and I forget who, who would have said it or, or tweeted it, so forgive me, but what a great gauntlet uh, of teams and quarterbacks that Brady had to beat on the road. Leading up to this game, Rodgers,
1: Breeze, Heineke, let's go. Yeah, and then beating um, Patrick
2: Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Uh, I did a little bit of reading into this today uh, because I had seen a similar tweet, I think, uh, asking if any quarterback has ever faced a better list of his contemporaries on the way to a Super Bowl. And it was hard to come up with a list uh, of anybody that came close. We've had great quarterback matchups in the Super Bowl before. Uh, You know, Elway and Montana faced off. Montana and uh, Marino played in the Super Bowl. We got Troy Aikman and Jim Kelly twice. Uh, Terry Bradshaw and Roger Staubach. You know, great great matchups between two quarterbacks that were both at the height of their game, but nobody has had to go through uh the kind of resumes that Brady matched up with in this postseason. Heineke notwithstanding, uh he played the reigning MVP in the Super Bowl. He played this year's M V P on the road in the conference championship and he played one of the five best quarterbacks of his era in Drew Brees. Even though he's not the Brees that we are used to, that's still a big deal to go to New Orleans and knock off a really good team there that beat you twice in the regular season.
1: Exactly. So
0: that, that part is, is also very impressive. And thinking in the back of my head, are there any other quarterback runs that are impressive and off the top of my head I can't think of any so we'll just go ahead and leave it at that if any of y'all in the audience can think of one you can just go ahead and tweet at us all right yes looking ahead we can finally just take a breather from football because it is a little bit all-encompassing when it's on and When the team that you love is not involved, it does get a little bit hard to pretend that you care as much. So I was happy to kind of embrace the, you know what? Chiefs are still not making a comeback. I'm not going to put this game on with five minutes left. I'm just not going to do it. I got better things to do right now. And I'm looking forward to a new season where it's new beginnings and new hope. But for the Eagles, there are still a lot of unanswered questions. And for the Washington football team, they may actually keep washington football team which gets me upset but why don't you go ahead and look ahead a little bit you can you can take it wherever you want to go what what are you thinking about going into this
1: off season well uh
2: unfortunately it's the same question that it's been for 30 plus years uh are we going to upgrade at quarterback and is the guy that we bring in going to deliver the goods. Um, They lost out on Matthew Stafford. They do not appear to have interest in Carson Wentz, as some teams do. Um, There was also a report that Washington had inquired about Jared Goff before the Rams traded him in the Stafford deal. Um, And... My thoughts about Jared Goff notwithstanding, I thought, you know, great. They should be kicking as many tires as they can. They should be making as many calls as they can. Uh, They should be doing their due diligence on every available quarterback uh, because, frankly, the market is pretty dry right now. You know, Dak is probably going to stay in Dallas. The Deshaun Watson rumors have cooled off. And uh, you could be left at the end of this thing with Kyle Allen and Alex Smith again. And if that happens, I don't think Lightning is going to strike twice. Uh, and I don't think you're going to see Washington return to the playoffs with their current quarterback room. So they're going to have to make some moves. They're going to have to be aggressive. And the question is, is it, is it going to pay off?
1: What that organization... Hopefully understands, and you understand is
0: that's a great defensive line, and certainly putting a top fifteen quarterback into Washington football team would be a night and day difference. Honestly, I I I do believe that like if you put a Deshaun Watson in particular, but just a top fifteen quarterback into the Washington football team and they have that defensive line and Terry McLaurin continues to grow as a, as a, as a as a wide receiver and the rest of the wide receiver core plays well. I'm not going to pretend to know everybody's name by the way. And is it uh, who's the running back Gibson? Yes, Antonio right. Gibson. Yes, yes. Sorry. And and then also again like the leadership from the from the defense as well. You can have a a 12 win team fairly easily and just just in my own estimation now i'm you're more of the expert than i am but do you do you believe that 12 wins is a realistic number for washington football team if a top 15 quarterback is at the helm
2: well if they got to sean watson i think the answer is easily yes uh 12 wins would certainly be within the realm of possibility and probably within uh, the realm of what people would expect for them if they were able to make that kind of a move. And I would even say the same if they were able to land Dak uh, 11 or 12 wins. If you're able to keep this defense intact is probably where they should be with that kind of quarterback play and with what that would mean for the rest of the division. But if you're in the Derek Carr area or the Marcus Mariota territory (sighs) 12 wins is a lot I mean Washington is the only team not to have an 11 win season or more since 1991 so winning 11 12 games is not something that we can just throw around lightly as you know as light work for this team that's something that literally has not happened in my lifetime so yeah if you add a top 15 quarterback they're probably firmly in the playoff hunt they're probably a nine or ten win team but if you add an elite guy or a borderline elite guy like Deshaun or Dak or you know the heavens move and Aaron Rodgers is somehow traded yeah I think this is a Super Bowl caliber defense and you'd finally have quarterback play to match.
1: I was just thinking of how (laughs) the Deshaun Watson rumors have died
0: down a little bit, like you said, and even Adam Schefter to, which by the way, to, to, to Adam Schefter's credit is not the type to throw around speculative reports. I think that normally he's the he's the person who's like, hey, this is happening, like this is happening, like today you will hear about this, you know, officially or or what have you. Or Uh he'll be like a week in advance. You get it. Even Adam Schefter has 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 said, you know what, based on what I'm hearing, Carson Wentz is going to be traded pretty soon. Like the chances are really high of that happening. And when when I am so close to the Eagles Twitter and everything else were if you looked at that as an as an outside observer you would you would be under the impression that almost every single known player on the team is on the trade block at all times so like I almost don't even believe Adam Schefter when he says it but I I can't see Carson Wentz going to the Washington football team just because it's an in division trade and hopefully Washington knows better than the than the do something like that because the Eagles apparently are asking for first round draft picks, which to me is insane to think about someone actually giving up a first round draft pick to, to trade for that contract and for Wentz right now as the unproven kind of washed up player. I mean, that is more or less where Wentz is now.
2: Yeah. Talk to me about what you think his value would be and what kind of package uh, would make you happy if and when the Eagles do trade him? Because I know you're a big Wentz guy. I know that you think that he's a great person, and I'm sure he is, all of those things. But uh, what kind of deal would it take to move the needle for you?
1: I am of the opinion that we, we brought in a new head
0: coach and got rid of Doug Peterson And I almost feel like if we're not going to reset the front office, we might as well reset team. I really don't want to see like a, like a halfway sort of eh, effort because honestly, I would have been happy with a harder reset the past two years, but we went to the playoffs and showed up and we're like, Hey, and then quickly died off. So apparently that means we're almost there (laughs) which we were not so now I think to myself if we're ever gonna see whether or not Jalen Hurts is gonna be that guy for us then what are we doing with Wentz at it's almost like you're trying to keep around two, like 25-ish level you know like like near-the-bottom-of-the-league kind of quarterbacks that are starters, sure, but to have two of them, it's just not the same as having Carson Wentz backed up by Josh McCown. So I I was so mad when Howie Roseman drafted Jalen Hurts, not just because it was the second round or whatever else, because I thought, you this will never work to have these two in the same quarterback room, even if they had perfect egos. This is the wrong city to do that. So I think I would be willing to accept a second rounder and someone willing to take his contract. I might even go for a third, but the point is is that I, I do really like Wentz, and I do think that he's not done as a quarterback. He just needs to have a, like an actual team around him. And like I said earlier with the offensive line, you can't put a single quarterback behind that offensive line. I feel confident in saying that now just because I've seen one Patrick Mahomes bad offensive line game. (laughs) So now I feel very confident saying you could put Patrick Mahomes back there. You could put Aaron Rodgers back there. You could put Tom Brady back there and it would just be bad. So we have a lot of issues, but the salary cap is probably the biggest one. And if we're unwilling to trade Wentz away, unless it's quote unquote for like the top value, then you're probably going to end up in August and look around and be like, oh, crap, we still have him on the roster. So I would love for him to stay, but between his salary cap hit and the idea that a team might be willing to part with like a third-round pick, a second-round pick, but not a first, I would still jump at that and be like, you know what? If he goes up somewhere else and is the better player and we are the ones on the losing end, it's not because we traded him away. It's because we got ourselves into that situation in the first place. Like,
1: this is already, like, a big loss. Just, just, just being in this spot, it sucks.
2: Yeah, it almost seems like if the Eagles were to get a first-rounder for Wentz, like, they would have to give a pick back as well. Cause,
1: yeah. Because,
2: you know, you're, you're exactly right. To pick up that contract is just such a burden on another team without any guarantee that Wentz would return to his peak form. So, yeah, I think a second rounder is probably where his value would be, straight up, uh, all things being equal. But in a seller's market like this, you don't know. They could get a whole lot more.
0: See, this is a big off season, and the fact that Harvey Roseman is still at the helm in my opinion it's not good that's not good that does not bode well in my own eyes but uh, he's still on he's still managing the front office so
1: fly, so what fly. You, <laughs> sorry what do you
2: think all of this means for Jalen Hurts assuming Carson is traded do you think Uh, he automatically gets the keys to the castle then? Do you think that Howie Roseman still being there uh, bodes well for him getting to uh, get the first crack at that starting job?
1: I would love to see more of a
0: competition, but there has to be like a certain level of wink-wink competition. Bring in someone like... (laughs) I think of Joe Flacco only because I know that he's either retired or he's about to. Like, bring someone like that to be like, oh, yeah, we'll very have non- competition. Yeah. Sorry, what? He's very non-threatening. Yes, a very non-threatening quarterback, but still tout the whole competition thing. Maybe give a, a Joe Flacco-like quarterback some snaps with the first round. Sorry, not the first round. With the first uh, string practice, players and let the eagles media go crazy <laughs> the beat writers go ballistic like oh my gosh we're gonna have joe Flacco starting for this next game Then it's just like now nah, we're just screwing with you uh, that'd be funny the yeah the idea being a uh, quasi but not really open competition but that jalen hurts does get a crack at that because you you use the second round on him he played like a rookie in the games that he started this past season. So see if he makes that jump and it wouldn't hurt because he's on a rookie contract. That's always good if you can have a rookie contract player for the quarterback position, especially playing well, winning you games.
2: Yeah, it would be like that one summer when the Giants had Kurt Warner in as the backup and the New York Beat Riders. Uh, We're starting to talk about how uh, Kurt Warner is looking better in practice than Eli Manning. We're all seeing this, right? (laughs) We're like, oh no, we cannot have this become a story. We need to trade Warner to Arizona. Uh, That would be very fun as a Washington fan to watch play out with Joe Flacco and Jalen Hurts. Uh, But for your sake, let's hope it doesn't get to that point.
0: Yeah, for now, right now, it's a open competition between Carson and Jalen. So that's 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 the latest and greatest. We'll see if that bears true in a week or so. Apparently, the, the 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 day of trading, not day of reckoning, but the day of trading is happening sometime this week, according to Adam Schefter. So we'll see. I, I'm putting a lot of pressure on him. I, If it doesn't actually happen, I won't actually be that mad. I just get tired of hearing about trade discourses and Eagles fans sometimes because literally that's all we can do sometimes as a group, apparently, is just talk about, oh, are we going to trade this player? Are we going to trade this player? Like, we're talking about Jake Elliott, the kicker. Like, who
1: trades for a kicker? Can we please settle down? Hmm. Anyway. So, yeah the draft coming up and free agency and
0: a lower salary cap. Apparently that's what I keep hearing. And who knows what the off season program is going to look like with COVID. I haven't heard anything about that specifically, but with all of that, with all that coming up in the future, not all back to back to back, but just like, I'm glad that there is time for myself to rest from football a little bit because this was a tough year for me, and I'm hoping for for good things, but I think until the season starts, I'm going to try to take everything with a grain of salt because even if it's exciting at first, uh, you have to be really careful. We are now a bottom-dwelling team, and until we see success again, it's just like the bottom dwelling team mentality is like always one turn away. Even if you start to see like a two game win streak and go like, Oh yeah, here we go. Here we go. And then you get,
1: you get your butt handed to you by an actual, you know, good team. So we'll see.
2: Yeah. The bottom dweller mentality will suck you in real fast and it is hard to climb out. Uh, and the worst thing that can happen is when you go from bad to mediocre because then you're stuck there forever. And, uh, yeah, it's, been a, it's a road that I know far too well uh, at this point in my football fandom. But, uh, yeah, there's always next year, and there is always hope for all 32 teams the second week of
0: February.
1: Absolutely, I agree. Although I
0: did think of just one, th- uh, just thought of one thing. Uh, I'm thinking about how Washington football team. Even if you do get a, a good quarterback or elite level quarterback, I just remembered you finished with a first place for the NFC East, so you will have a first place schedule. Do you know your opponents already for for this upcoming season? Not the schedule, obviously, but do you know like you're you're playing against teams like? the Packers and such and so on, right, for the NFC? Um, Off the top of my head, I
2: believe we are
1: playing,
2: yeah, we play the AFC West and the NFC South. So we're already playing the Chiefs and Bucks next season, along with the Saints and the Chargers with Justin Herbert and a bunch of other good Uh, quarterbacks in that in those two divisions Then we play the
1: Packers and we play who won the West the Seahawks Um, and then I believe
2: if if the 17th game thing is approved we will play the Bills and I really hope that that's a road game because I would love to go to Buffalo uh, for a snow game but that's probably not going to happen, but I can dream. Um, So (laughs) it will be a first-place schedule, and it will feel like it, uh, because you're playing both conference championship teams uh, and the Super Bowl winner. So they're going to have their work cut out for them. But I try not to get caught up in the schedule thing, because we just saw this season... Washington had three road games in a row against the Cowboys, Steelers, and 49ers. And when the schedule released in April, I thought that was going to be an 0-3 swoon, and we ended up sweeping all three games. So strength of schedule right now is kind of up in the air. Uh, You know, it's going to be what it's going to be and we will see how tough these matchups really are.
0: We'll find out. Uh, the schedule's not the only thing that changes year to year for the teams. There's a lot of trades, free agent signings, and, and then practice squad-level players sort of trying to break into that bubble as well. So every team is going to look different. I myself believe that the Eagles will look really different, but again, we'll see. And... We'll get there when we get there. Still second week of February. Looking forward to a little bit of a break uh, unless more trade rumors come through for Carson Wentz. <laughs> but before we go ahead and wrap up here, I was trying to think of some non-football-related questions I could ask you, and I was just just thinking about snow because I'm looking outside and I'm remembering in Lancaster it's supposed to snow tomorrow. I don't think it would be the same down in Fairfax for you, but. Did you enjoy that snow last week?
2: You know, it kind of felt last week like it snowed constantly without stopping for like 72 hours because basically it would just flurry uh, every 30 minutes or so and not really stick to anything. But then each night we would get like a fresh inch and then during the day it would melt off and we would get more flurries and then you know you, it would reset exactly the way it was the next day so it was kind of annoying to uh, have to scrape the car anew every day um and then Saturday was weird because we got like two inches overnight and then it was all melted by lunch uh, not unlike a lot of Pennsylvania weather that I grew up with um where we get weird weather fluctuations but uh yeah, I like the snow. I'm a big fan. I wish we had gotten it a little more spread out than just all at once over
1: two, two or three
2: days. But uh, yeah, I can take that.
1: And for February in general, it seems like
0: it's going to be end. It's going to end up being the coldest winter month that we have for this season because December and January. And November, of course, really, we're not that cold. And yet it's up here in Pennsylvania this week. It's supposed to dip down into the teens uh, at least a couple of nights. And that has not happened yet for this season. So uh, I'm not really too sure about that myself. I am very much aware of the fact that we have passed the winter solstice. The days are starting to get longer and yet it's getting colder. So I'm not a big fan.
1: But what are your thoughts?
2: I mean, I, I usually take the cold pretty well. the uh, The winter after we graduated high school, was that the polar vortex year? Probably before yeah, that that uh that set the set the tone for me in,
1: in terms of what I think is too cold or beyond my limits. and uh yeah, until
2: we get there again. I think I can, I think I can power through it.
0: If anybody from a cold region listens to this, a true cold region, you just, you just don't know, okay? You have never been in Lancaster County when it's 97 degrees and with 100% humidity, but to your credit... I don't
2: think I've ever been in Lancaster with
0: 97 degrees and 100% humidity. It doesn't happen often, but I felt like the one day it did. That at the, no, okay, seven. let me reset. 93 degrees, feels like 97, 95% humidity. Does that that's sound a little awesome? better? Sure, okay.
2: sure. I'll, I'll give you that one.
0: Okay, okay. Feels like 97, which that's, that's, a, whole, that's a whole conversation. But one last, one last thing. For your car scraper of choice, the, to, to clear off snow and such, do you prefer the small handle like a foot long kind of scraper or do you like the brush and scraper combo and it's usually like two and a half or three feet long you know what i'm talking about
2: yeah well when i had my old car uh tiny little sedan i really liked the tiny like handheld scraper thing that you're talking about i really liked the control and the precision but now I drive a big SUV, and I would not be able to get by without a big extender brush. So it's a more brutal tool, but uh, it gets the job done
0: for me. And it does it quickly, yes. Even though I still drive I drive a Corolla, so it's not big, but i got to have the, 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 the big piece of equipment just to get it cleared off as fast as humanly possible. I have to admit to you, I have occasionally looked at my windshield and thought, I can see through that, and then drive with a partially obscured windshield because sometimes I could not be bothered, so I need it to be as fast as possible, the scraper itself. The more and faster you can go, the better for me. The worst is when you have to drive
2: east in the morning with a partially obscured windshield, Mm. and you get
1: all that glare, and then it's
2: yeah, it's a no-go.
1: It's very tough when you have to do that. Absolutely. I understand exactly
0: what you're saying. All right. Well, we've covered a lot tonight, and I really appreciate you coming on. You want to plug yourself in any way? Are you thinking about starting a podcast anytime soon? Uh,
2: probably not. I mean, I don't, think I'll, I don't think I'll be starting a podcast. If you want to follow me on Twitter, that would be cool. Uh, you can find me. My username is Joel, but baseball, and my handle is at Joel Espichade. Uh, follow me on
1: Instagram too. Slightly funnier on Instagram, I think. Slightly. <laughs> I
0: actually haven't been on Instagram in a while myself so I've missed out on that but I should take a peek at my wife's she my my lovely wife Jen does follow you on Instagram also so I'll have to yeah. check to see what's new there I know that Unless you've done you some of a volume shooter
2: on Twitter but Instagram is where I take the high percentage uh, high percentage shots
1: the premium content mhm have you done any art recently I have not. Uh, I need to, though. I mean, I'm
0: sure for you, it's, it's not necessarily something that you feel the itch to do every, every day, per se, but I know that, like, I've seen some of the art that you've shared onto your Instagram, and I think you do a fantastic job. It's, it's usually with pencils, right? It's
2: usually with pencils. I have invested in some alcohol markers recently, which are great, because... You can just get a lot more done a lot faster with markers than you can with pencils. Um, it's not quite as refined. I can't quite be as detailed, but I really uh, I like experimenting with them. So I do need to get back to drawing soon, though.
1: Can't wait to see more so
2: that of that is.
0: art stuff that you that you do. Oh, and the, about the podcasting, by the way, I only say that because. I think you might have expressed semi interested in it before but you keep hopping onto here, you know, Tom Brady level of appearances and knocking it out of the park and I think that kind of satisfies that itch anyway, right? I think it very much does.
2: I like I like being a guest on Bottom of the Smash Mountain. I feel like I fit right in.
1: Love having you here with
0: me, Joel. So, can't wait to have you on another time, talk more football and until then, Uh, Hope you and uh, all the listeners uh, have a great rest of your evening.
2: Thank you, Jesse. You too.
1: Absolutely. And now, Craig, leave. Why is it so quiet? Oh,
0: right. Transition. Now, before we get going here, I appreciate you sticking around, by the way. Just wanted to congratulate The Real Thing for winning the Black Empowerment Melee Inventational 2021. Great event put on by Homemade Waffles and the rest of his team over at Rollback Rumble. And I didn't get a chance to to see a lot of the event myself, but I hope that you were able to yourself. Also just want to read out this tweet that came out from at Rollback Rumble on Twitter on February 7th at 8.27 p.m., Congrats to at MA underscore the real thing for winning black empowerment melee Invitational. So we have a rundown of, of who made top eight. So we got the real thing, two saint, belly Bo peep, tempo X, messenger, shroomed, Ryan Ford, and justice XYZ. And they also raised over eight thousand dollars for charity. And according to this tweet, they haven't even added the BAMI shirt proceeds yet. So really excited to see the total number there and all the all the receipts once they go through and to see I think all the players that made top eight got to at least choose a little bit of where the total amount money raised, what specific charities they went to that were charities that were focused more on black empowerment related related uh activities. So hopefully we'll get to see some of that in the coming days but once again just wanted to congratulate homemade waffles and everybody that participated in this, in this event for a very successful a very successful invitational and to celebrate black history month to celebrate diversity in the scene and I'll just try and leave it at that don't want to put words into too many people's mouths but for me from, from my own perspective I just want to let you know really cool event. I really enjoyed the, the what I did get to see what I was able to watch and excited to catch up on the VODs on on Homemade Waffles YouTube. So look up BEMI2021 on YouTube and you'll find all the matches that happened, all the sets that happened over the course of this weekend. So please join me on those YouTube VODs and hope that y'all enjoy the rest of your day, morning, midnight snack all that fun stuff all right be good oh right and congratulations to hugs 86 for winning the smashers gambit chess tournament this weekend that also happened and also raised money for charity great event as well sorry i forgot to throw a shout out to y'all wonderful chess matches did not really watch the event if i'm being honest but I am going to watch all the YouTube content that comes out about the event for sure. I'm sorry that I, that I missed out. I, I, I feel the regret in my heart. And to those of you who missed out as well, feel that regret with me and come with me onto YouTube to catch up on some of those VODs and drop some likes, some comments, some subscriptions to all these content creators and smashers who participated in this, in this event, because from what I saw, the, what little I saw, it was a really great event also. And especially since the event was also raising money for charity. So you love to see things like that. You love to see the crossover of chess and smash. I'm sorry that I missed out, but I will be catching up and I can't wait to see some awesome chess matches in highlight mode. Okay, now I'm done. What does the cow say? Mm, Good job. What does the kitty cat say? Good job. What does the doggy say? Woof woof. Woof, woof. Good job. Can you say linguistic specialist?
2: Good
0: job. That was a good try. Can you say outside? I like that. Do you want to go outside? Okay. Okay.
1: Can you say bye bye? Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.